we're episode one two one. One two one. It's an, the anagram episode. No, the palindrome episode. That's the one. So, John, we we must be some of the last and final dregs of the indie world now not working for Apple. <laughs> That's true. That's absolutely true. Apple has, like, you know, gone... This is the sound of Apple. <coughs> oh, yeah. Oh, developers. <coughs> developers. <coughs> I really wish I wasn't wearing headphones for that. <laughs> I know. You can retroactively go back in time and warn yourself. Retroactively so, so what are we talking about here, John? What are uh, we talking about? We're talking about Hockter, who is is not no longer late in shipping Moneywell three. He's late in shipping Mail seven. Let's call it that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so do you think uh, the the Mail team were hitting uh, hitting their targets far too often? So they recruited Hockter to slow themselves down. No, that's such a mean thing to say. That's not true. <laughs> no, it is very mean. Okay, what are we talking about here? Is is Kevin Hockter, who is probably one of the. Um, best known indie developers out there for Mac and, and, and iOS software um, produces MoneyWell, a home budgeting finance app. Um, over the years, had several employees and switched between having employees and going back to just himself. Um, but really, basically, cranks out a, a great application and um, a, a decent living for himself and... Um, He's uh, he's of a certain age, shall we say? He's probably around our age. He's mm-hmm. maybe a little bit older than me and you, but um, so uh, we're not going to say an age because I don't know exactly what it is. And if I get it wrong, he'll be so upset. Um, Let's just put it this way: they don't call him the Silver Fox for nothing. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Old Greybeard um, is uh, is decided to throw it all in and uh, go and work for the the, uh, the man at Apple on the Mail and Notes team. So first, I guess we ought to say congratulations uh, to Kevin uh, for doing that. He, uh, he's got a blog post where he says of how this has been a dream and with his kids leaving home um, for college and certain other family uh, things, it's uh, you know, now is a time where this is possible, where it wasn't before, so, so that's great. Um, however, Luke Vandal... Um, did write a, a blog post that you um, pointed out to me, John, about you know saying how this has become a bit of a trend. Well, I don't know. Is it a trend or is it just that Apple have happened to recruit over the last year um, people we happen to know? And they've always been recruiting. It's just not happened to know the people. But indie software people, I know Jeeva DeVoe has gone in recently. And I didn't Patrick Bilson went. Yeah, oh. Jeeva DeVoe is now an Apple man. Uh, Patrick Bilson, um, who was of BitBQ Software and also did stuff for Martian Craft, um, who has gone. Uh, and, you know, it, it's just uh, every day you hear someone say, I'm going to go and work for for Apple. Um, oh, I can't remember her her proper name, but um, at Sophia on... Um, uh, on Twitter, she she went uh, a little while ago. So they, they seem to be sucking in indie devs. Um, and I'm, I think that's great for the people there. they're bringing in because obviously it's a dream of theirs to work there. But is that good for the market as a whole when these applications are 
sort of either disappearing or going to new homes or, you know, is this a, a land of opportunity? I think um, Manton Reese and Daniel Jalkert spoke about this on Core Intuition last week. You know, you know they were asking, was, is this a new opportunity for other people to rise into those slots or take over those apps or is this really not going to do us any good? It's hard to say. You know, I think that I, I, the most interesting thing in my mind about Luke's post is is that you know there are certain pressures about being in India. There are many aspects of it that are delightful. That you know all the the you know all the freedom and the flexibility and and the fact uh, the the true satisfaction of working on something that you really love and care with uh, care about and hopefully that you are are working with collaborating with people in some ways um, that that you love. And I think that there's a, a small number of companies in the world where they 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 can credibly say we on 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 our various teams replicate the, the best aspects of that and you get all the the backing that that you know working in an enormous company with an enormous captive audience gives you so it's it's a pretty deadly you know uh, uh combination you know to to, to lure people in um, i think I, I i would imagine that there's not really if you have a credible app out there it would be surprising if you've not been contacted in some way or another by Apple. Um, so, and that's, you know, if I were Apple, that's exactly where I'd be recruiting as well. I think what was interesting about Luke's post is like saying that, that because the, the app store is so mature there, that it's, it's not really possible to, 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 it's, it's, I don't know. I wouldn't want to say it's not possible, but it's wildly more difficult to to be the you know the, the the girl in her bedroom writing this new app, the guy in the garage, the kid in the dorm room, whatever. Um, and so that you have to really kind of find a way to to have a team, and and that was to me one of the more interesting aspects of it, um, because that that was something I surely missed working on Memory Miner. At at at, at, at some points I felt like I had a team, at other points I, I didn't, you know, because I was always trying to to beg, borrow, and steal attention from other people, and and it it becomes draining after a while, and and you you want to be able to make sure that your work gets to the widest audience that that you think it deserves. Well, I think it's notable that, uh, and I think we've been talking about this for quite a long time, actually, um, the team aspect of things, because I think it was probably back around the days of Leopard. Um, so what was that? 10.5. And, and if not, Le you know, when Core Animation came in and I guess, um, the delicious generation of apps began with, um, Delicious Monster, um, Delicious Library and, um, it began to become noticeable that the Mac apps that were winning ADAs, back when Mac apps actually won ADAs, um, mm -hmm. were being, you know, whenever they were saying, come up on stage, you know, this is great, we're going to give you a reward. Yeah, there would always be three, four, five, six, seven, maybe even eight people going up. Um, and there was this sort of transition between, um, uh, well, it felt to me, but I was still fairly new to the um, Mac world at this time, so maybe I just hadn't picked up on it before. There was this sort of transition um, in that period of, of apps being developed by one or maybe two people to apps being developed by far more people. That was definitely the generation when designers began to get far more involved. Um, and it's just been growing. And I guess one of the problems you have as an indie is um, it's, it's really hard to find enough resources to have three or four or five or six people um, develop an app and get it to release one and begin to generate some marketing, get it out there and support that amount of resource. Um, so it's only going to be bigger companies or, or places like Apple where they do it internally themselves. Um, and I know for Kevin, you know, he had multiple employees at one point 
And it's not that it wasn't working, um, as far as I'm aware. I speak to Kevin quite a lot, so I just want to make sure... I'm just being careful I don't say things that he might have said off the record <laughs> and then suddenly blurt them out, so I'm just um, stumbling here a moment. But, you know, it's, it's not that it's not possible to support that team, it's just but there's an awful lot of stress in doing that. There's an awful lot of requirement on you. Um, and so, you know, is it really... I mean, you're in, you're in this position. Is it really possible to produce uh, an application of any decent quality and size and complexity um like memory miner for example these days on your own or really if you haven't got the resource to be a team you you just need to go fulfill that dream somewhere else uh it's again kind of yes and no i mean if you know i I was thinking about this in 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 recent weeks like if i if i had to start all all over again you know how far could i've gotten in in what in in how short a time and and i think one of the things that at the same time that apple is is snapping up indies they are also, surprisingly enough, creating more infrastructure and and bringing this idea that you don't have to write monolithic siloed apps anymore, and that potentially gives some opportunity. I mean, specifically with Memory Miner, when I wrote it, first thing that people said, why did you write this as an app? Why didn't you make an iPhoto plugin? And it simply wasn't possible. Today, using the you know the the the, the photos framework. Uh, absolutely can absolutely could i mean if you don't mind about it only working exclusively in the apple world between you know cloudkit and and the way that that apple itself is rearchitecting their 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 handling of photos you absolutely could and and then similarly if you want to build you know an iphone app an ios app a mobile app a, you know um with parse as a back end for example they're not the exclusive but man you know i've spent the last seven days and i can't believe how far how fast i've been able to come with an app now I, you know and and in that particular case it just means that that you then have to focus that much harder on, on and 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 be much more brutally honest about uh what what you can do and just simplify and simplify and simplify and simplify and keep simplifying and you better be working with a great graphic designer if you are unable to do those two things i would say it, it it's just not worth building it unless you're building it because you want to scratch your own itch. You're just not going to get anywhere. I also think that even if you get somewhere on a first first try and you get some some significant traction, the, the next step of building a company and building a sustainable company becomes that much more difficult. And I think then you have to really think about what is your exit. I mean, in the world of venture funded companies, that's all you ever talk about is what's the exit strategy, and you basically have acquisition, acquire, IPO you know, continue on life as a profitable privately held company. Those, those are the possible ranges. And I think as an indie developer, you kind of have to think the same thing. You know, what's, what's your ultimate motivation for it? Because if you think about what, what motivates you and what gives you pleasure and, and joy from, from doing it and what gives you, you know, sufficient financial, you know, return to be able to afford to keep doing it, then you can kind of reconsider, you know, uh, how you go forward with it. And, and, you know, there was last year or even, you know, the whole question about what does it mean to be an Indian? And in the same way that the, the indie phenomena, as it was defined by these blog posts, is saying, you know, you build your own product, you make your money from your own product, you only really get to call yourself an indie when you no longer have to do any consulting work on the side, you know. That that's because that's becoming so difficult to, to to achieve in the first place, and so difficult to maintain over the long run. You just basically have to think a little bit more about what are the aspects of being indie that really 
you know, work well for you and see if, if you can satisfy those requirements without necessarily thinking that, you know, without doing it, without having to create your own company or to, to go solo. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously some people may know or may not know I did another podcast called Software Indie where I examined some of these things. Well, I didn't examine, I just sort of splurged out what I was thinking all the time. I haven't done an episode for a while, but, you know, I have recently bought an application which I still haven't announced. Um, but again, as I explained on that podcast, the, the in the end, partly because of the a time factor and you needed more and the resourcing factor that I was going to have to work at the same time, you know, I have found a partner to work with on it, and so there's going to be a, a team of at least two, three, once you add the designer in, um, in there. Um, and we've just made our life more complicated by deciding to go for 10.10 only, so complete reworking going on there. Um, but it's it's still sat there thinking, you know, this is, this is really difficult um, to produce something. But however, I think the biggest issue for most indies is is not the fact of can you produce it because as you said i think with the different tools out there now the different services out there now um you know you can build a building block app and maybe some of it is especially for mac developers is getting over the pride of you have to develop everything yourself and and beginning to use third-party tool sets and uh, third-party services which is there has been a stubbornness about shall we say for many people um so you can build something pretty amazing in a lot less time and, and put you know the real effort into the bits that you need to put the efforts in to make your 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 app unique however i still think the biggest problem for people out on their own is they don't know how to sell software yep and so and here's something else i, I, I i'm sorry I, I didn't mean to cut you off no that's okay i'd finish so, so, so what I, so, right i said it is a de facto standard because right. i said it and we're done right well so so then here's the thing i mean let's let's remember back sofa i mean sofa was i think a good model i mean it's, it's it was a good model it was working really great and they became so attractive to, to people they were acquired by facebook although facebook really just it was a talent acquisition and as, as far as i know i don't believe there's anybody originally from sofa that's left at facebook so for them it was a nice exit I think that they, they they did a you know a credible job of making sure the, the the products that they had created had fell into hands. But let's remember the history of it. It was you know a couple people who basically created this consortium of, of sorts, right? There were multiple apps from multiple individuals that came together under one banner, and so they gave the the the, the appearance of of being you know quite the company, right? And in some ways, it's, that's a little it's almost similar to, to what Omni did a gazillion years ago. There were some individuals that came together. They'd done consulting work together. They started making products. But then, you know, they, they created a kind of an, outs- an outsized impression of them at an early time, given the, the sheer number of people they had. And I think that you're going to have to see something along those lines because you're going to have to kind of think about, you know, in some ways, almost like an app co-op. I mean, that that's something that 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 becomes possible. I think that way you can say you can settle on a on a on a brand for a company, and you can have you know, uh, you know, you can have multiple products, and you can share some design capabilities and some code capabilities and some workspaces and things along that line, or virtual work resources. And I think that that's that's probably the way that that's going to be done. Still, we kind of haven't talked about the question of is this good for the long run in the long run for Apple. And it's, you know, uh, the thing about it is, is that Apple certainly is capable of making a wide variety of, of 
baseline apps that, that cover those things. But, you know, do they come up with every amazing app that makes people want to run out and buy a, an iPad? I don't, you know, I don't know. I mean, there's, there's GarageBand. That's an example. But I think, I think we could pretty easily name dozens of, of, of other apps are saying there's a reason to, to, to buy an iPad and, and they're not coming from Apple. Apple may eventually acquire them, but I think that, 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 it is true that they they need to make sure that that it, it is possible at least for you know indie third party apps from all corners of the world from all different types of people are at least able to get to 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 a 1.0 things even if it is the case that then they get gobbled up you know because it, yeah, I think we need to keep in perspective, though. I mean, they happen to be grabbing people we know right now. I mean, there are still millions of apps on the App Store from people we don't know who are the, that are still great apps. So, um, yeah, it's, it's true. It's, I mean, uh, it affects maybe it's because it's affecting us us personally. However, I do think things have to change. I think, um, I, I think you know, we cannot sit here as developers and say, "Oh, you can't make a living off the App Store." Um, that's true. If you just even if you make a great app and just throw it on the App Store, you can't make a living just doing that unless you're very lucky um and i think something we can learn you know sofa sofa were the first one one of the first generation but they were by no means by themselves but they're one that happened to get attention that uh, became a design driven um uh, developer house okay so design was the key there they they, they recruited designers first mm. they hired out those designers to other people um and then you know, as well when they weren't doing this stuff and then develop stuff. And, and, and everyone's, oh, so for amazing apps and everything. Well, remember, I think the first app they became reasonably famous for was called Checkout, and it was written in Python. So mm-hmm. it wasn't like Objective-C yeah. or it was, I think it was um, the Python Cocoa Bridge, um, right. yeah, which most developers would, you know, turn their nose up but because it looked beautiful and works and and whatever else and so they they created this new culture of of approaching apps through an aesthetic whereas i think you know the next phase of that is we're gonna have to um you know take that one step further and and developers are gonna have to become you know start producing I, i'm gonna use a term which is gonna sound really horrible but i think it doesn't have to be as horrible saying you know, have to um have market driven development where you know, people to sell your software, people to um, do the website, people to make the copy, create an emailing list, um, do whatever, the community work, whatever, are just as important on your team as a designer is and a coder is and a support person is and whatever else. And, and I think to survive in the, in the now more competitive market, you know, this, this, it's not about having bigger development teams, it's having a bigger skill set of teams. Totally agreed. I would say this, you know, if, if you're if you're a young kid or, or even if you're out of college, you know, the, the, the number one thing that you can do for your life is, is to become good friends with the designer. Even if you just kind of know someone that's starting out and you think they have potential, best to become friends with them now when, when you can have a strong connection that may may endure over time when when they do become successful, even if they go off somewhere else. You, you know, it, because it. it, it I'm reminded of, of somebody who once said, you know, if you can't find a good man, raise one. And it was, it was this kind of a snarky comment about a woman who was dating a, a man that was much younger than her. Um, and, and I think in some ways it's, it's kind of the same thing. 
you know, that, 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 you know, you have to find people that, that, you know, at, at the beginning of their career, because it's, if, if you're, uh, you know, if you're getting started out and you're working together, then that's an obvious thing. But if you're also just getting started out, you know, maybe ask around, maybe somebody that, you know, maybe their teenage kid is, is, is an up and coming designer. And, you know, and then, then you have something to offer because if, if you have strong coding skills or strong marketing skills or something like that, and you don't have a ton of money, you know, maybe you can, you can strike a deal where it, for, for somebody's first, you know, projects, even just to have something in their portfolio makes sense. Right. I mean, so I, I don't know, there, there's all the different types of formulas, but I think that more than ever, you have to really kind of reconsider how you find people. I mean, another way of doing it is, is going and looking in, in, in out of the way places, go, go look in Greece, go look in, in, go look in Armenia, go look in, in, in any of these kind of, go look in, in, in Argentina, go, go look somewhere where the rest of the world is not already looking because there are precious few places where that's not the case. And while there still are, get while, you know, go, go get while the getting is good. Yep. Totally agree. Just, let's just take a quick break a moment, John, to, um, in fact, let's take a brief break oh, um, just to <laughs> talk about the product from our friends at Martian Craft briefs now you were talking about connecting with a designer if you want to connect with the designer maybe you can take uh, this app to show a designer and, and get that connection because he will love you or she will love you after seeing this mm. um briefs is a, an application that allows you to design your your application um do the layout and the ways it look but also do the interactions and um the screen flow and everything like that and then when you've taken it you can download it onto a device and put it into the hand of a user or um your client or whoever just your whole design team and get a better feel for it it's now on the device and you know the buttons are there and and they should trans transition to another screen and all the sort of stuff that will just help you to know if you've got the workflow right, know if you've got the positioning right, know if the design is going to work when it's actually in the hands of someone rather than just the 2D image on the page. Um, and it's, you know, it's really, I think, um, uh, I, I think this sort of thing is becoming more and more essential, uh, especially as interfaces become... Uh, the, the expectation of interfaces and the way things work becomes far higher. So if you want to check briefs out, go to giveabrief.com where you can download a demo and uh, um, make it all work. And if you like it, it's 199 bucks, And um, I don't think you'll regret it. And tell our friends at Martian Craft that uh, you heard about it from us. And uh, they will love you. We will love you. Everybody will love you. It will be a love fest of design and working apps. What more can we say? <laughs> Nothing more briefs spread the love you see joe i was just thinking as you were talking there you know we we as developers we've been really um yeah, yeah we we laugh with each other don't we when when um uh someone emails us and says i've got a great idea and if you develop it we'll go 50 yep. 50 yeah probably mm -hmm. everyone's received one of those i would think if you um if yes. you're uh um, an indie there, and and I think yeah, that's just people being lazy and people being you know whatever. However, I I'm thinking you know if someone is coming to you, you know as developers we need to be a little bit more open and, and say if someone is coming to us and saying, look, you know I have a sort of an idea, I have a whole bunch of marketing skills, a whole bunch of sales skills, I have website skills, I have uh, you know a whole bunch of skills that I can bring to the table. You know those are partnerships we maybe need to start exploring because the reality is as developers. We're not going to survive on our own anymore, I don't think. No. 
that that's another excellent point. You know, you and just you never know. I mean, yes, if it, it is a a Nigerian scam mail, that's one thing. But if it, you know, you should at least you should. If not, let's put it this way, you know, you, you never really kind of lose your time or, or or waste time by by listening to how people pitch and learning from it. So, you know. Yeah, because we say that if you want to be an indie, you have to have marketing skills, you have to do business skills. But yeah, we're talking now. Maybe, maybe don't. Maybe think team. Maybe team is the future. Maybe the point of uh, of Luke's um, Luke Vandell's article is about it. It's, yeah, the future of software is teams is totally true. But that doesn't necessarily mean engineering teams. Right. Maybe you can develop this by yourself if you surround yourself with the right other people, the designers, the salespeople, the support people, and together, not just produce great software, produce a great experience that people get to know about in a great way because you can actually got the, the means of getting it out there. Indeed, indeed. Well, John, I mean, we, we spoke about that a lot longer than I thought we were going to. Um, how's your week been? You, you mentioned that you've been playing with something for seven days and you're amazed how far you get. Is that something you could talk about or is that top secret? Uh, I, I, it is secret. I can only say in, 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 in passing that, yes, uh, there's a kind of a... a, a uh, uh, Skunk Works project to produce a very very simple app, and it's it's been very you know I, it, it the, the the first build where I was able to kind of actually go out and test it in the field, even though it was very incomplete and and the, but but just to have that a, a first aha experience with it, it was very very satisfying, um, and I think it's a technique that can be used even if you have you know. Uh, um, a well-established app. So, you know, I've talked about this in the past. Like, you have an idea for something, and you need to build a tester app because it could be, a, you know, a complex interaction. It could be a, a new, you know, type of view controller, or maybe just a, a, a specific feature. And if you try to kind of glom it onto a, 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 a the code base of a sophisticated app, it becomes very difficult to develop, very difficult to test, and you end up kind of bending the feature, bending you know your code to kind of make it work in an environment. Whereas you start from scratch, you don't really have to work about that and then you can you know you can you can make sure that you've sufficiently abstracted it so that you can make it work in, in another app um, it, 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 of course it depends but sometimes just building a very very simple app in this particular case it's, it's testing a kind of uh, it, really a, a type of game dynamic um, and it as I said it, it, it's in this particular case it was just how how can we get the furthest the fastest and how can we treat this with with some of the the best aspects of hackathons where you, you you the goal is to get something that's demonstrable that you can play with that you can show but not complete throwaway right so you can you can take you can take shortcuts but but be be aware of, of of what the cost will be if you if you do go ahead and decide to to to, to try it and i think one of the interesting things about it is that it you know the the, the challenge that you have with it an iPhone app is that is how do you get that many people out there? I mean, yes, with with iOS eight, you can do it with up to to a thousand people, but in this particular case, since the app does depend on a back end, um, you know, having a back end where you just don't spend a single moment of time thinking, how do I provision some back end services and how do I get my clients to talk to them? You know, if if you can find a mechanism that lets you answer that question very very quickly. Um, then you are able to spend your time on the stuff that really is unique. And that's what's been so satisfying about working on this project. Now, what we do with it, we'll see. But uh, we're you know, going to have a look at it on, on, on Monday um, and decide what we do with it. 
Yeah, I think that whole being able to throw up a back end really fast is is you know it's a game changer. Um, I mean, at Rem Objects where I work, we we have a product called Data Abstract, which we've had as a sponsor product on the show before. Um, and you know that's an area we focused on. We've just done a, a reasonably well. We're doing a sort of a soft rollout of a reasonably big release of it, um, and we've really focused on the back end being really simple. So you can just uh, you know, for example, so we have Amazon instances where we can just fire up fire up an Amazon instance from a, um, and you can have this back end. Uh, but obviously, our target is that. You know, because this is an Amazon instance or a Linode instance or whatever, you know, you own the data. You're not having to give it to Pars. You're not having mm, to give it right. to someone else to look after. You can keep it on your server, which I know is a big thing for for lots of people, um, and, and stuff like. That. And then there's a bunch of other benefits, but I'm not going to go into a commercial right now. But you know, the whole the whole back end technology thing is is you know, if you want to do a, a demo, you know, you you do want to just throw this stuff up quickly and just get it done, don't you? It's the point. But I, I, your point there that you were making, I mean, that's great for working out the technology. But as you said, is there a, um, you know, is there a case there for doing apps that way as well to prove a market? You know, to actually release the thing you're doing as a rough thing, um, in whatever form to find out if anybody even cares or is interested. You know, maybe even um, form a, a second um, identity or entity of which to release this stuff so it doesn't necessarily tarnish your own brand or anything like that, you know, to find out if anybody's actually even interested, you know, test, do market testing in this way as much as you're doing developer testing. I, I, I think that's an excellent point, and, and, and those are exactly the types of questions we're going to ask. Um, and 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 that's tr- that's absolutely true. I mean, this is the you know there, there was a there was an expression that used to get that a, a colleague of mine used to, to to use. He says, you know, even if you get to know quickly, that's good, right? <laughs> and so if 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 you have an inkling, an idea, you think it's going to be good, it's great. There's nothing you know more satisfying than fantasizing about something. And then if you if you keep fantasizing about so much, you can say, I really want to see this in the world. Great, go put it out in the world, and then let the world tell you whether it has the right to continue to exist. And because it's better to to know. And and if the answer is yes, all the all the you know that's great. If it's no, that's perfectly fine too. Because you know you can come up with another idea. And if you don't get burnt out on doing, you know, the, there is a certain joy in the in the creative process of just getting something to work and getting it out there, so that even if the first one doesn't fly, you haven't invested your entire life in it and it's like you say like, ah it didn't work it's like so what you can almost approach it like cooking it's like you know the first four or five times you make a complex cake or, or trying to make you know something to, to make an omelet probably it's just like you throw them away it doesn't work but that doesn't change the fact that you actually enjoy learning how to make it and i think that software you know we have to remember it's it's you know my, my son snarkily points out says dad you're you know you're you're, you're a professional typist and i'm like oh no it's the value of my i just like you know I'm but yes i am a typist i do Ideas are worthless. Yeah, they are. But you know, you, you, ah, they're, well, they're, they're they not worthless. I think we've, yeah. um, I think we've probably uh, pushed up a little bit. John, uh, tell people where they can find you when they want to catch up with you. You can find me on Findery as John Fox, and you can find me on the Twitters as Jembe. That's D J E M B E, like the African drum. And you can find out about my product, Memory Miner, at memoryminer.com. My name is Scott. You can find me on Twitter as MacDevNet, and you can uh, find the show notes for uh, this show at iDeveloper.co. 
It's been a pleasure as always, John. Um, hopefully there's still an audience out there to listen to us. They've not all gone to work for Apple and don't care anymore. Um, <laughs> we'll find out. So if you, uh, if you do like the show or, yeah, if you like the show, please leave us a review on iTunes because that will help other people find the show, um, which I'm sure you'd like to do. And if you don't like the show, then send John an email and uh, tell him why. Oh, you can send me an email as well, Scotty at iDeveloper.com. <laughs> right, it's been, a, uh, it's been a pleasure as always, John, and thank you everyone for listening, and until next time, you take care. Thank you.